Hey there, it's Liam. I'm here because we felt it necessary to drop a little content warning in about today's episode. Uh, today's podcast is all about the video nasties. Because of this, we're talking about a film which was and is incredibly controversial and has some incredibly extreme content. Due to that extreme content, we do discuss sexual violence, abuse and rape in this episode. So if that is something which you do not want to hear about at all, please do not listen to this episode. And uh, we'll see you next week for a much more wholesome film. Right, thank you, and um, and for everyone else, uh, on with the show. Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. There are some films that's changed the world. There are some films that are such massive cultural phenomena that they changed the course of cinema history. There were some films that were so controversial they spearhead huge legislation which leads to prosecutions and fines <laughs> throughout the entirety of the UK. Oh god, oh god this film. Um, <laughs> this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century of cinema decade by decade, year by year, and I am one half of your host, Liam Delaney. And opposite me is the dry-handed one that I heard in last week's podcast, Oliver Jones. <laughs> Thanks. How you doing? You all right? I'm good, thank you. You? Yeah. Are your I'm hands right still too. dry? You're still suffering from plasticine. No, they're of... good now. They're nice and moist. <laughs> got clammy hands now. No, I don't have clammy hands. Oh god, it's got worse. <laughs> Hairy palms. They, no. They could market. You know that kind of Norwegian. Um, skincare thing that <laughs> yeah um i know it because of working outside and it really really moistens your hands they could market that to to stop motion animators they to should say, like, don't you know don't get dry hands use this <laughs> is it dermal like to... dermax yeah they see i've got i think <laughs> i got lacura <laughs> and on that note joining us today is james rayner back again from last week he survived the golden voyage of sinbad and he's Hello. ready to and he's ready to tackle I spit on your grave today. <laughs> is it bad you? to say that this is more on my wavelength? Bad? <laughs> How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, good. Yeah, uneventful week on this side, but I was going to say so. To, uh... So nothing's happened since last week, then. No, uh, just a lot of like feces and uh, vomit, same as usual. Is that that's you or your kid? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, she's been around as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's how James introduced at my stag do. That's how James introduced himself to my friends. It was like, yeah, I, I shat on my uh, my uh, landing once. <laughs> it's like, hello, I'm James. <laughs> I think I, I I waited like five ten minutes before I brought that up. <laughs> you felt comfortable <laughs> at that point. But that's my party story. <laughs> right. Has anyone watched anything this week? Sorry, I was taking a sip of tea. Um, <laughs> I've watched loads since, because I wasn't here last time you recorded, because I was busy doing archaeology things. How did it go? Is it all right? Yeah, actually, it went really well. It's um, it's a virtual conference. I was meant to be in Budapest, and I wasn't. I was in my bedroom, which is not the same. And conferences are a lot less fun when you're not just going to a random bar <laughs> afterwards with people, <laughs> rather than just sitting here getting mad. Um, but... 
uh, I chaired a session, which is quite big. That means I had to like you know, introduce people and lead discussions and all, all manner of stuff. But it actually went kind of well. And compared to every other session that I listened to, we didn't have like the technical issues that other people did. Because there was a lot of like, it just, you know, my internet's rubbish, as we know. But there was a lot of other things with other people. They were entirely cutting out and they couldn't work out how to present their stuff and all manner of stuff. And so it, it's really hard to listen to a session when no one can actually talk. Yeah. But our one went really well. So is this the same? Well, like just the 2020 version of what you did in Barcelona last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was Bern last year. Was it Bern? Was it yeah, oh. Barcelona was the year. Before. Time's just going too fast. <laughs> it is. I know. It's just Zoom. We're getting older, and time doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm 37 tomorrow. Ugh. Oh, happy birthday! <laughs> happy birthday was tomorrow. Yeah. Do you like how I just dropped that in there then? <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have said I forgot. I meant I know. <laughs> I, I never know anyone's birthday until it shows up on Facebook saying whose birthday it is today. Same. Absolutely the same. I, I absolutely just rely. If, if You know those mean people that don't put it on Facebook and then they know that you <laughs> yeah. haven't remembered. That's well, like the worst. Caroline's got a friend who's put the wrong birthday on there so that it weeds out all like the fake people. That's not on. That, that etiquette is not. I don't like that. <laughs> Don't like it at all. Not, I can't remember when people's birthdays are. So what you watched anyway? Loads. I watched Eighth Grade. It's wonderful. That's my review of that. Oh, is that the one directed by Olivia? No. Uh, uh, is it? Oh, no, I'm thinking of the wrong film. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Uh, That's yeah. it. There's I'm... a really funny scene when um, she's learnt, she's um, watching. She's She'd offered a boy in class a blowjob. So she goes back home and starts Googling how to give blowjobs. And um, okay. she's watching like YouTube videos about how to do it, and then she sneaks into her kitchen to um to find a banana to practice on. At that point, <laughs> her dad catches her, and and she's like, "Why have you got a banana?" And she and they point out that she hates bananas; she thinks they're horrible. So now she's really embarrassed and says, "I just fancied a banana," and starts trying to eat it. And clearly, <laughs> see she's hating it, and her dad's like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you trying to eat that banana?" At that point, she kind of like coughs up all this banana and like runs away. And then the next scene is she's typing into YouTube things that are shaped like bananas. <laughs> and I was like, at that point in that film, I was like, I really enjoy this. This is great. So I was getting confused with Book Smart, which was by Olivia yeah. Wilde. That's mm. what I was getting confused with. Because that's like it's a... short term something that's a short term. The short term 12, which has got yeah. a Brie Larson. That's a good film, actually, that is. That's more of a drama, though, I think, than like a... There was mm. one directed by a comedian, wasn't there, recently? Was it like Jonah Hill or somebody? Um, yeah, he did one was... called uh, Mid-90s. Oh, that was it, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's I quite good, actually. It's not, it's not great, but no, it, that sounds bad. It's not an amazing film, but it's it's perfectly watchable and enjoyable it's very mm. like nostalgic nostalgia driven especially if you're into like skate music and stuff like that in the eight, in the 90s and kind in of 90s, yeah. played a lot of tony hawks and thought you were a skater and had an email address called crappy underscore skater underscore dude at <laughs> yahoo.co.uk which i didn't have talking about right now <laughs> <laughs> don't know who this is <laughs> so that email address doesn't exist anymore so spam me <laughs> <laughs> Eighth grade, it's not like a 90s thing. It is happening now. And I just thought it was a really good portrayal of like young kids now. Like it just we weaved that kind of way and it was so relatable. And she no, and the actress was so good. Like, I've I really been meaning to watch it. I, no, I'm definitely going to pop that one on. But, um, I also watched, uh, which I thought was worth um, 
talking about was um, Faces Places, the Agnes Varda documentary. Uh, I saw you watch this. It's um, it's now on Netflix, so you can easily watch it. Um, the reason I bring it up, not to talk about Agnes Varda. So hang on, yet. she's like the new, the French new wave kind of filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like contemporaries with Goddard and, yeah, and the yeah, rest yeah. of them. Like, um, um, she's she's actually Belgian, but obviously French new wave. Um, she's wonderful, and she I think she died last year. It was now. Um, if you have never seen any Agnes Varga, that documentary is actually really kind of worth watching because she's an absolute character and she's an absolute joy to watch. Um, and weirdly enough, I put it on one Sunday afternoon when he had a friend around and they were cooking in the kitchen. And I was quite hungover and just lounging and they decided to put this documentary on. And they all took the piss out of me for putting on some weird French thing on a Sunday afternoon when you hung over. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, but it's for me. You don't have to watch it. Like, I'm just going to, it's not long. Like, and, uh, and no joke, but at the end of the film, both of them were sitting in there absolutely transfixed to it and absolutely loved her. And they just were asking me tons of questions about her and who she is and like, and like, and, and asking me tons of questions about her films and, and just said, and now like, they're like, oh, we love Agnes. She's fantastic. She's my favorite like French director. And, and that's the only thing I've seen <laughs> of this. But like, um, she is captivating and she is wonderful. And this film's really, really worth watching. It's really great. Yeah, no, I just like listening to directors, especially ones who are a bit interesting and a bit unique. Like, so like Hadavarsky and stuff like that are kind of a little bit eccentric. I don't know if she's a bit eccentric, but like... She's very eccentric. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but she's very just adorable. She's very humanist. And you can see why in like cinema, she was someone who people really flocked to because the, you can see that she cares about people and she knows how to talk to people and she finds things interesting and, and stuff like that. You, and there's a reason why, you know, as a female director, she was able to make a name for herself in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. So, um, or 60s especially, I guess. But it's it's really cool, Faces Place. It's basically her, she teams up with her mural artists and they go through France, make putting these murals up of the people that they meet. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and it's actually, it's just, it's, it's really good. <laughs> like, I, I, can, I can just say really good a hundred times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, so James, what have you watched this week? <laughs> um, I haven't actually watched that much this week. I've I've ripped a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays uh, to my tablet so I can watch them uh, in bed, uh, and then I just I've been too tired and just gone to sleep. Um, I did watch uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I had a kind of muted uh, version of what happened with uh, your friends with the uh, documentary. Um, in that my wife said she was going to bed so I'm like right I'll watch Bill and Ted then and she was like oh, what are you watching this shit for uh, and then she stared through the whole thing uh, and watched it but then wouldn't admit to enjoying it in any way she just said yeah and then she went to bed but she did stare for the whole thing so I'm going to assume that she begrudgingly enjoyed it there must be a level of enjoyment surely yeah you thought although I've I've sat through so many episodes of fucking police interceptors and <laughs> fire that it's possible she just hate watched the whole thing as well. <laughs> I think me and Liam are going to talk about Bill and Ted a bit more in depth on like a a special episode. I think. Yeah. But yeah, like, I think um, we'll do all three of them or something. But yeah. like, um, yeah, I watched it as well, and I, you know, I enjoyed it a lot. Caroline watched it with me. She cried. I got a little. I got a little <laughs> choked. I got a little choked up. There's one scene in particular that got me, but I'll talk about that when we mm. properly talk about it. I, I, it was just just to do like a headline review or whatever. I was so happy that it works. Yeah, like, yeah. And it just pulls itself together. And and those two characters are such a joy. 
to, yeah. to just watch. That's the thing. Right. It's just completely free of negativity and cynicism. Yeah. It's just a, so refreshing at this point in existence. Yeah, it was. It's just what I needed in this yeah. year, I think. Like, <laughs> And I think in comparison to, say, like something like Jane Silent Bob reboot and stuff like that, I think it was a much better kind of that version of a yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. film. Like, you know. And I'm sure that came from a good place, but I don't know, this one just felt more like a film as opposed to just like mm. a cameo fest or like just kind of just throwing everything in it. That's true. That's but, um, true. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. And um, there's some good songs on the soundtrack, actually. The Mastodon track I quite like as well. Rufus lives. Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's good. I will listen to that. I, uh, I noticed they're on soundtrack. But I haven't listened to it. I noticed Weezer have a song, and it's not good. It's okay. Good. I quite like the Weezer one. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> maybe it's, I'm just it, very you know pessimistic. It's, about it's Weezer, default maybe. Weezer. It's just Weezer on autopilot, yeah. basically. Yeah, I I I think I've listened to maybe two or three Weezer songs ever, so it's, <laughs> it's on par with those. So it's in ones. your top yeah. three Weezer songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the only one I can think of, they've got one on the Mallrats soundtrack, haven't they? Yeah, Suzanne's a good song, actually, though. Oh, is, that Su- is that Weezer? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah that's Suzanne, two songs yeah. I can name. Well, I mean, that's in the fir- that's in the period of the first two albums, which is peak Weezer, to be honest. I mean, I don't yeah. think... Weezer have never, like, gone beyond that, really, but... <laughs> you know. Yeah, before it came just a project of River Kumo, before there was this, like, collaborative element to their f- songwriting a little bit. <laughs> so you preferred it when it was just his voice, really? Pardon? You preferred it when Weezer was more just his voice, kind of. Like... No, no, Weezer was better when it was more collaborative. Oh, it's, okay. It's... I I thought it went the opposite way around. Now I thought it was no, more. He, he got he fired like the two people from the band who used to do a lot of songwriting with him and stuff, and they basically just became a Rivers Kumo solo project, really. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say like they kept the drummer and the guitarist since the beginning, yeah. pretty much, and then the bassist think... has been with them for like twenty odd years. I think the guitarist joined in Pink. Or after Pinkerton? Actually. No, he's on the cover of. Uh, of uh... There's two people on the cover that aren't in the band anymore. Of Blue Album. Definitely. No, on the Blue Album, the only person who's not on the cover is the bassist Mikey Walsh, I think. And Welcome to the Weezer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of two people who don't quite know the facts at all. Of <laughs> one who has no idea. <laughs> what would the Weezer Maybe podcast we should be move called? On. <laughs> pod. Pod. Think about left the world. I've listened to the albums and left them here. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the only films I've watched are Bill and Ted. Uh, and I watched a documentary called Class Action Park. Oh, oh cool. yeah. yeah so, I want to see that. Is it Class Action? Yeah. yeah. It's Gethard, isn't it? Yeah, so basically it's about this Love insane theme park or, like, water park in New Jersey, America, and it's just, like everything's held together with nails and wood and screw and it's the whole point of people going there was to get a war wound basically and you know in the space of a few years several people died but yet the the park stayed open for a good 20 years after that and it's just pretty insane well they didn't they didn't employ any engineers to design the ride they basically just put shit together and then sent a couple of sandbags down there to see if it worked and then opened it to the public. <laughs> well, the no, sandbags it, didn't explode. It was well, so they made this one water slide that does like a 360 loop and apparently the G-force on it is the equivalent of like, I don't know, one of these fighter jets. It's meant to be insane. And like, so they, like James said, they did a few sandbag tests and then before they opened it to the public, they basically, the owner of the park stood at the one end of the, the other end of the water slide holding a $100 bills and got the employees who are all 14 year old kids 
who were like you know looking after the whole park and they were all going down in turn to get a hundred dollars at the end you know some came out with missing teeth some came out all scraped and bruised and stuff like that and you know they'd get a hundred dollars at the other end once they'd done the test <laughs> and like you know they had like a, a a water boat place which had snakes in the water man <laughs> Yeah, it's just what? just insane. They had motorized go karts that could go sixty miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, just there was a film insane. a couple of years ago, um, Johnny was, Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I think they renamed like... it Action Point. And yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. So not to get yeah. a lawsuit. I think it's a. It might be like a Jackass Presents movie, maybe. I don't think oh, it's okay. officially Jackass, although oh, I think not? there are a few Jackass people in it. But I don't think it's under the official banner. It's definitely stunts. I kind of fancy watching that. But that said, I saw um, the crazy is it the, uh, the grandpa one? What's it called? Uh, oh, bad grandpa. Yeah, didn't like it. I oh, actually like the, the Jackass films are fun. I actually don't mind those. But um, when you had a storyline to it, nah. mm. I haven't seen them in so many years. I can't. I don't know. I just there's two that stand out to me. One is in the first one where it's like a, a wide shot of like this. Um, like this tunnel opening on one side of the shot and I think Johnny Knoxville is standing on the other side of the shot and suddenly this huge fucking flash flood of water comes out of the tunnel and all the water subsides and he's no longer stood there. <laughs> he's just been swept <laughs> away. I uh, think I remember that. Yeah, and the other one is in the third one, uh, High Five, where they've got this giant hand hiding behind a door and they keep inviting <laughs> people in uh, and they're just yeah. letting it go so it slaps them in the face. And they send somebody out for soup and then get him to come into the office with it. He's like, why didn't I... Why didn't it click when you said soup? Why would I be getting soup? So there's a podcast... Uh, I forgot what it's called now, but it's a guy called Rab himself, who I think was sometimes in Jackass, but he was mostly in the CKY videos. I was going to say, I know from CKY, that name's been familiar. And he interviews all the people from... like He was like apparently like really bad into drugs and alcohol and stuff, but he's turned his life around, and he's he's... He does a series of podcasts now where he interviews everybody who is part of Jackass and CKY. It's quite interesting. And it's the Bathroom Break podcast. That's yeah. it. And if you see uh, Bam Majera now, oh my god, he looks like he's he looks like his dad now. Like he oh, does really? <laughs> he does not look like a world class skateboarder anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't think this is the first time you said this. On this <laughs> Probably not. It's like a little obsession. <laughs> well, no, because I just got Tony Hawk's on the PlayStation Four. Oh, you have you joined into that? Craze yeah, and, then? <laughs> yeah, uh, reliving my youth as always. I mean, you only have to look around my office, and I'm just constantly reliving my youth. Crappy skate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think Bam Majera's on this version. I don't think he came into it until Tony Hawk's Four. But uh, yeah, I was hoping really? to play as Bam. Was it that late? I think so. Yeah. God. I don't remember anything about Tony Hawk's apart from the fact I played tons of it and now everyone at the moment is telling me how great the remake is because <laughs> it reminds them of playing was, loads of it when they're young it was the game like me, you and all our friends played during sleepovers like that yeah. and GoldenEye that, so it just reminds me of just being a kid and eat, drinking way too much Sunny Delight and I don't know yeah. Sunny Delight? you always had Sunny Delight at your house did we? Did yes. we? yeah you had a lot of Sunny Delight we were all hyper <laughs> Nobody turned orange. <laughs> Maybe. Could That's my favourite thing about that Sunny Delight thing that actually people did turn orange from <laughs> drinking too much of it. I That's thought insane. that was like a thing from if you eat too many carrots, you kind of get an orange tint as well. I think that's actually true, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah. I don't. I'm, I think the Sunny Delight claim is slightly dubious. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we talked about today, then, Liam? What what year are we? What year are oh, we? Yeah, we're in 1978, actually. Um, which, God, when so, and you guys, if you think of films from 1978, what stands out for you guys, really? Oh God, let's have a look. On, Dawn of the Dead is the first one that comes to my mind. Of course it does. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, like... Oh, Dawn of the Dead's such a good film. <laughs> it's amazing. I am e- eagerly awaiting the um, the new Blu-ray that's coming out in October. Oh, is there a new set coming out? Oh, yes. Oh, I've pre-ordered <laughs> it. It cost me a pretty penny. <laughs> oh, really? Why? Yeah, it was 80 quid for the set. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, basically, it's got it's got all the cuts, so it's kind of got the theatrical cut, the director's cut, and then the Dario Argento cut. Yeah, it's not actually a director's cut. It's basically a, a more polished rough cut. That he, oh, is it the work print, basically? He, yeah, it's more polished than that. It's it's the he took it to Cannes Film Festival for to sell it to distributors. Um, so it's kind of it's almost there basically all he did was cut a few bits out and um swap out some um library music for goblin tracks uh, for the theatrical version oh. um but it's mostly there so was uh, goblin only involved because of dario gento then yeah um dario gento was the one who um basically got it going um because i think they just ran into each other in uh, in italy uh argento and romero and uh, argento brought up the idea of a sequel and Romero had just had a, a tour of a shopping mall that his friend owned, and that had planted the seed of it, but he hadn't actually done anything about it yet. Right. Um, but that led to uh, Argento putting up a significant amount of the budget, I think. Not all of it, but... Uh, was part of to. was part of that deal that he got to like basically get the footage and make it? Yeah, he was basically in charge of all the non-English territories, so he could oh, put okay. his own cut together for that, which has... It's shorter than the other two versions, but it has extra bits in it that aren't in the other two versions as well. And it's wall-to-wall Goblin score, which, as much as I love Goblin, it is it's a bit massively much. overkill, yeah. <laughs> sure. I've not seen it's that version. It's a it's a, You can watch it out of curiosity, but it's far from the definitive version to watch. I bet. Does it cut out the pie fight? I bet it does. I think so, yeah. He, he focused more on the action than... Uh, the horror or any of the humor he cut out all the humor as well that's um, my favorite moment in that film when it's like yeah. all out violence and it just cuts to a pie fight <laughs> zombies they're just the zombies are that useless they're just throwing foam cream pies in their face yeah i mean that was always romero's thing like and it gets to the night of the living dead remake and they actively pointing out they'll look out out the window and going they're so slow we can just walk past them and yeah nobody sure. does <laughs> what else came that's out it. i think it's because... worth to say as well when Dario Dento's cut was released as zombie in Europe, wasn't mm. it? Not Dawn of the Dead. It was yeah, this is a standalone film. But... And then the what was it? Zombie Flesh Eaters is considered yeah. a sequel to that, but it's yeah, that was released oh. as Zombie Two in yeah. Italy. It's yeah. weird. It's so odd. But like at this time, and it's worth we'll get into it more and more and more for this whole episode, really. But at this time, Italian horror is is big business. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if it had a. I don't know much about it, but I just like I don't know if there was a special term about it in, in other in the territories like spaghetti western or anything like that. But um, uh, well, there's big... there's the giallo genre, which was sure. yeah. always been pretty big in Italy, but it seems I think with Dawn of the Dead, um, it really took off in other 
outside of the Jalo uh, yeah. uh, genre uh, and to do more zombies, more of the extreme stuff like that. Supernatural based things. Well, the spaghetti westerns had in common with the Italian horror films. They're all dubbed as well. So they're all mm-hmm. uh, acted in English, most of them, weren't they? And then they were like redubbed back into like, yeah, English because yeah. they didn't have okay. sync sound and stuff like that. So, which I think well, may all... have a reference. Well, I think the film we watched today as well has a lot of ADR and sync yeah. sound. Yeah. Pretty shocking. <laughs> we'll get to that. Because, of course, Dario Argento obviously did um, uh, Suspiria and mm. um, Tanabra yeah, as yeah. well, which are, are both films that ended up on the nasty list as well. As this, this topic is all going to be about. Really. <laughs> We thought that, Ali. Like, what about you? Nineteen seventy-eight. For me, about? like the big films, I guess. I mean, you know, you can't not talk about seven nineteen seventy-eight without talking about Superman. You know, sure. it's the, like the first big budget superhero film, and it has to be like arguably the most famous superhero as well. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, so. I know Batman. Really? I know Batman had his film in the sixties, but you know, it wasn't like this with like Marlon Brando as his dad, and you know, kind yeah. of. You know, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, and there is a reason yeah. that up until pretty much two thousand eight, if you asked everyone with what like name some superheroes, they would pretty much say Superman, Batman, and Spider Man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> were the three household names, and I think this film is pretty much why. Yeah, it. I mean, I think we're going to cover it again, like on a special episode. I think so. We'll probably talk about it more there. But um, yeah, I, I think, think it's worth. Re- yeah, I think I, it's worth rewatching. I haven't seen it since I was like. I don't know, a kid. It's been um, a while, and I haven't seen Superman f- uh, four ever. So I think I might watch. <laughs> I might watch all four. That's the best one. Um, but I don't know whether to watch. Three is so hard to watch. <laughs> I don't know whether to watch su- Superman two, the normal cut, or the uh, Richard Donner or version. the Donner cut. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the Donner cut. I think I've only ever seen the normal cut. Well, I think apparently the ending for Superman t- two was the ending for Superman 1. And okay. because because he was meant to shoot 1 and 2 back to back and then that kind of got nixed. And then he didn't have an ending for Superman 1 or something. So he took the ending from Superman 2 and put it in Superman 1. I don't know. And then I think in the Donner cut he reuses that ending again. Huh. So That's I don't really know. odd. You have yeah. to we'll have to do some research. There's again. also <laughs> a TV cut of Superman th- Superman 1 that's over 3 hours long as well. So because well, I think Isn't in America, yeah, it recently came out. I think in America they used to do like instead of like cutting a film down to fit a time slot, they'd have it running over several nights. So they might have oh, like wow. an hour each night or an hour and a half each night and have it split over several nights. That's that's bad. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, they would also like cut things out for censorship purposes, and then if it ended up being a lot, they would put deleted scenes back in. So yes. yeah, this weird amalgam version. Um, I remember they but, did when I first went to America. First film on when I got there on TV was Ace Ventura, and like I know Ace Ventura like the back of my hand. <laughs> and there were so many scenes that were cut, but then so many scenes they added in. That I was like, "What's what's this? What's going on here?" <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's weird. You nothing of it happens over here. We don't even get the TV cuts. It always ends up just being a censored version of the theatrical version. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get weird stuff in plane cuts as well. They do the same thing and shove mm. scenes back into it. Well, at least they used to. I don't know if it's still a common thing. The, I don't like, think it is as common because everyone's got personal screens now, don't they? Yeah, sure. 
Didn't you tell me, Liam, that you saw um, one of the X-Men films and they completely cut out like one of the big ending bits because it was a plane crash or something? <laughs> it's first class, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it was first class and the whole last scene is a big um, airplane crash with Magneto pulling it to the stadium or something. I don't know. I might be making it all yeah. up. But yeah, there recall, was a... at some point there was a big controversy of um, a, a flight screening Die Hard 2. And people complained <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to think now, but I can't remember. But yeah, I'm pretty much sure like it basically just cut out most of the end of the film because you don't want to see planes crashing when you're in a plane. Or at least that's not <laughs> the most sensible thing to do anyway. <laughs> I guess another film that was, I guess, was big was Animal House came out. So that kind of started that whole wave of like the the Saturday Night Live kind of crew i guess oh, it nine films yeah yeah i mean i know it wasn't it was a national lampoon but like mm. but it kind of launched the careers of like john belushi and then like later on you know uh dan Aykroyd and all that kind of that sure. crew and stuff i um i watched uh the national lampoon documentary the other week um oh cool i did drunk stone yeah it's on sky um drunk stoned brilliant dead uh, <laughs> and it's about yeah the, the starting of the magazine and its success and uh branching off into different medias like uh, live shows and uh, TV and radio and all that stuff and then eventually to the movies and yeah they just see it seems like Animal House they're just a bunch of frat boys in an office doing shit to amuse themselves Uh, like apparently reading the book I was reading Wild and Crazy Guys which I've talked about a million times on the (laughs) podcast but apparently like um, Ivan Reitman wanted to direct that film, but wasn't allowed to, and I'm not, and I'm not quite sure why he wasn't allowed to direct it. I don't know if it wasn't it was because he wasn't a name or what, or a known commodity at that point. But he was a producer on the film. Yeah, um, I don't yeah, know I directed Animal House. It's John Landis. John Landis. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was discussed, but I can't remember what the outcome was from it. So that's why he ended up doing Meatballs, I think, because it was like a kind of a similar kind of mm. thing, really. But yeah. It's weird. I haven't seen Animal House for years. I just watched it. I've seen it once, and I have no real memory of it. I know, like, it's one of these, especially for like American people of an age. It's one of these huge like comedy films that everyone can quote and everything like that. But it never really made any impact on me at all. Mm. I think for me, the the disconnect was they were supposed to be like straight out of high school kids, and they looked (laughs) like they were nearly (laughs) thirty. <laughs> sure. Like John John Belushi has never looked young. I think he's always looked about thirty five. And so, uh, yeah. And one of the one of the kids is the cop in the mask who's uh, trying to arrest Jim Carrey. I'd never put and, that together. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, so oh, I just no keep way. seeing that all the way through uh, whenever I'm watching it. <laughs> I've only watched it a couple of times, so I just keep thinking. That's the cop from the mask. He's that... forty-five years old. <laughs> Is that the one who's dating uh, Karen Allen, the one from Raiders? Uh, I can't remember. Um, all I remember about Karen Allen in it is that she's banging Donald Sutherland. Isn't he like the dean in it or something? Or the... He's the He's cool the hippie teacher. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. He bears his ass at one point, <laughs> doing his like butt walking in the moonlight shot. God, I do not remember Animal House. When you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, those are the only two bits I remember. I did watch a bit of it on TV the other day. Um, although, to be honest, most of my Animal House um, knowledge comes from the episode of Futurama that spoofed it. Sure, that's. I think <laughs> yeah, 
Any Simpsons or Futurama, yeah, that's where I know most of my Animal House references from. Yeah, absolutely. That was like me with what was the film we did? Like we didn't do it, but Mash. That's the one. That yeah, I yeah. Know, Mash through references. <laughs> I'll tell you what film fucked me up the most though from this year, and that was Watership Down. Like oh, yeah. my dad oh, I never got... finished it. Have you never finished it? Don't no. watch Plague Dogs either. <laughs> <laughs> so it's by the... that Plague Dogs is by the same like uh, filmmaking team, and it's also by the same writer of the same book uh, as Watership Down. But my oh. my dad got me to watch Watership Down when I was probably way too young, and I'm like. How is this like a kids' film? But it is really good, though. Like, I'm not going to say it's not good. It is Watership Down is great, think, but Watership Down to me, I for years would say to people, oh, it's the bit when they start turning into zombies and eating each yeah. other that I couldn't watch. And people are like, what film did you watch that's not Watership Down? It's, like, it's proper seventies. It's proper trippy. It's got the most depressing theme song ever. <laughs> Bright eyes burning oh, yeah. like fire. <laughs> That's a bang on uh, Garfunkel. But it does have, <laughs> <laughs> but it does have, uh, like in a kids' film, like I think there's like a French seagull in it, and he oh, says yeah. shit in it or something like that. So no, he's, he uh, says piss off. That's it, piss off. Yeah, <laughs> piss off. <laughs> I remember it got brought into school for like one of the end of term like video viewings, and uh, oh, yeah. I think it got turned off at that point. <laughs> I was always. Uh, this kind of ties into the episode, but I was always um, disputing censorship decisions uh, with teachers and authority figures. Um, like I was the, turned it off at that point. I was like, "But it's a use certificate. We can watch it. It's <laughs> yeah, fine." It's yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I remember arguing with uh, a grandparent about watching Little Shop of Horrors, and uh, they wouldn't let me watch it because it was on at like ten o'clock at night. And I was like, "But it's a PG." <laughs> and, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> it still still upsets you to this day. I wouldn't carry a grudge, but like grandma I can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of you watch the uh, the ba- the Bashki Lords of the Rings that came out this year? I have seen it. Yeah, yeah I've like seen it. I've seen it very um, chemical induced stuff, <laughs> 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 which I don't advise. But like you know, like Bashki's insane. So like you're not yeah, gonna Bashky's get like insane, a normal yeah. film made by that guy. So like you give him the reins to Lord of the Rings, he's gonna make something a bit weird. And like not surprisingly, he didn't get yeah. the money to to do the follow up. So the film ends mm. with them just going, and they rode off into the sunset, and everything ended happily ever after. You're like what? <laughs> well, hang on, what? <laughs> the weird thing favorite... that is when you get the acting, like. Yeah, because um, that's they've run out of money and budget, so they just because you know he rotoscoped. They just based, he yeah. just he used the footage from the rotoscopes and just treated it with some sort of shitty effects. Yeah, that's what you can yeah. tell when they're really down to the line. It's like, look, we've got a release date. We need to get this out there. Just dip it in some dye, and we'll call it a day. <laughs> just shadow it a little bit. <laughs> uh, the score thing. for it is really good. I think I prefer the score to the animated version than I do the uh, the Peter Jackson version. The Howard Shaw ones. Yeah, uh, Leonard Rosenman uh, scored the uh, animated one. Um, I've heard a few Rosenman scores. He did Robocop 2 as well. Oh. And uh, Star nice. Trek 4, and they all sound the same. Uh, he did a couple of Planet of the Apes as well, and they sound the same. He's basically got one trick, 
but um, apparently that drink was very popular in the uh, 60s and 70s. At least Elfman's got two modes. He's got his That's big, true. bombastic Tim Burton mode, and he's got his twangy, experimental guitar synthy mode. Yeah, sure. Whereas Rosamund <laughs> was just the same, like, action rhythm, uh, and then that's it. <laughs> he did the score for the jazz singer in 1981. That's really oh, wow. odd. Do you know what? This is actually a really good year. You've, you've also got Halloween. That's what I want to mention, yeah, talking horror films. I mean, ha- like Halloween came out in January, I think, this year, which is a very odd time for Halloween to come out, which I don't understand that release date at all. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, like, well, that's just a wonderful film, just one of the best horror films ever made, really. Yeah, but they've milked it so badly, like, to the point where I just yeah, don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, it says it released... It says... Hang on, it says the release date was October 25th, 1978. So, maybe Okay, I don't know what I've read. (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen the new one, no. Is it good? I really actually quite liked it, actually. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I'm not really a slasher guy. Um, Mm. I I do own the Halloweens, but that's mainly for the music more than anything. Sure, the music's amazing, yeah. I think the best Halloween is Halloween 3. Oh, I love Halloween 3. Yeah. I'm such a fan of Halloween 3, yeah. So I do I, like I, that I, one. I own the yeah. first one because it's John Carpenter, and I have yeah. to own everything he's done, but uh, <laughs> I very rarely watch the first one, but I'll watch Halloween 3 all the time, whenever I stumble yeah. across it on Sci-Fi Channel or something. Yeah, it's perfect. Like, one of those odd little, like, kind of well, movies. Wasn't that the original, films, wasn't that the original plan that all the Halloween films were going to be, like, a different Yeah, yeah it was going to be, like, an anthology series yeah. set around Which would have been more interesting, I think. Yeah, they you just know. fucked it up by doing Halloween 2. And then they did Halloween 2, yeah. yeah. They, if they didn't follow up with Halloween 2 immediately, then mm. I think they could have kept on doing it. But Yeah. Um, and then because they did that, Halloween 3 came out and people were like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like this doesn't make sense. This isn't how films work. <laughs> I just took a random film in our series. Um, and then really, since then, I don't think that... I can barely name the other Halloween films or what happens in them or anything like that. Up until basically like H two O and then mm. the recent remake. Like, there's one with Buster Rhymes and he's like a TV executive, uh, yeah, like in a, a Big Brother type house or something like that. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. the worst one. Like... <laughs> Trick or treat, motherfucker! <laughs> I think that's the one after Halloween H two O. Yeah, H two O had a really nice ending where it seems like like Laurie Strode has conquered. Michael Myers and finally killed him and then they just retcon the fuck out of it in the first 10 minutes of uh, uh, what is that one called? Halloween Resurrection and then that's it yes. <laughs> um, and then kill her off so it's uh, that's the, uh, a travesty and then the rest of the film just exists which is also the, like the bigger travesty yeah oh, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. new one is not set after those films it's set no it's, it's after it's set after, after the first two? one was it just no, the it's first not even. One? It's not even acknowledging the second one. Ah. <laughs> was Jamie Lee so Curtis weird. in the second yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. And oh, John okay. Carpenter uh, wrote it, um, and he basically ran out of ideas, so he just kind of bullshitted his way through it. Decided, ah, fuck it, let's make them brother and sister. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then that. they've yeah, yeah. Uh, they've stuck with that through the rest of the franchise, but they've decided to retcon that. Which uh, uh, okay, I don't know. I, I'm not too fussed about that. Um, but I, I, I preferred the H2O Laurie Strode to the new Halloween Laurie Strode. Sure. 
because that the H2O version, she was she was traumatized, but she kind of put her life back together. She had a kind of PT PT yeah, PT fucking hell. PTSD PTD yeah. PTSD <laughs> types yeah. situation going on. I don't know what's happening here. I'm just choking on my own tongue. Um, so she would. Um, kind of battling alcoholism as well and then she has to rise to the challenge when michael returns whereas this yeah. one she starts as sarah connor at the beginning of the film yeah, yeah, and yeah, ends yeah, as sarah sure. connor there's no real arc to it no there isn't much arc and it's just that cathartic release of getting revenge isn't it that's the point mm. of the new one which a lot like today's film but um <laughs> I, I i enjoyed it I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it and i, I actually did enjoy the new halloween it, oh the stupid just... twist in the middle of it though what is that? With Mind the me. Dr. Loomis character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. No need. No need. Yeah. Is Dr. Loomis played by different people in each film? It, I guess he a, is. Cause... No, Donald Pleasance was there up until he died. His last film was right, Halloween yeah. 6. Um, but, yeah, they've got a new like colleague of Dr. Loomis in this one. Oh, okay. And, yeah, it takes a weird turn in the middle with his character, uh, which they almost immediately abandon. Um, they do. Just yeah. the fact that it's there is just annoying yeah. enough. But going back to how good this year was, I mean, like you had, mm. I mean, so you had Days of Heaven, the Terence Malick film. That's you had film. Drunken Master, the Five Deadly Venoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. You had the Martin Scorsese kind of like not documentary but live show of the band The Last Waltz, which I really like because it's got oh, sure, yeah. it's got yeah. Van Morrison's Caravan on it, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> And you've got Deer Hunter, Jaws 2. But I, I want to ask you guys your thoughts on Greece. <laughs> I what? don't like Greece. Do you not like Greece? No, I don't like the mute songs and I don't like the film. I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's so bizarre, but I can't... Like, it's so ingrained into my head because my sister... It was like one of the only tapes we had like on Betamax. And so it was just on all the time. So it's just... I can close my eyes and just play out Greece in my head. It's just ingrained. <laughs> oh, it's ingrained. I've seen it like a you know forty thousand times. Well, that might be half a reason I don't like it though. It might just so. be like too much. I've seen the film a couple of times, but I shot the um, live performance that our school did um, in sixth form by the drama department. So and then I shot it over three nights, uh, and then I tried to edit the three angles oh, yeah. together. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that was an absolute clusterfuck. I was doing it in iMovie as well. Oh. <laughs> so this is iMovie of uh, 2002, not even uh, modern day iMovie. Um, so that's the grease that's stuck in my mind more so than the movie. Yeah, because the, uh, the 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 theater, the play version is different, isn't it? So like, Grease Lightning is not sung by like Danny. It's sung by yeah, yeah, yeah. one of his friends, Kanicki, I think. And uh... well, it is the car is Kanicki's, I believe. So it's yeah, yeah. That. John Travolta singing it in the movie. He's singing an ode to his mate's car. I don't think That's they're true. called the T-Birds either. I think they're called something different, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's got a weird message anyway, and I never quite get it. Yeah, the Every ending's... time I watch the film, I'm like, I don't understand. It's, <laughs> don't it's get, so weird. It. <laughs> it's like, they seem content with empowering. each other at one point, then they, they, they're a couple, but then she all of a sudden decides, no, I'm going to wear tight trousers and a leather jacket now and smoke cigarettes because what because reasons i don't know it's weird it's so odd yeah i never get it 
I'm sure people have explained to me a hundred times what it actually means or something, but to me it's just like you have to change yourself to be with a man who doesn't like you as yourself or something. <laughs> but I and swear that, at some point I he accepts he like he's happy with her as she is and well, I Well they had a nice summer together, that's why I don't <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna talk about <laughs> <laughs> so I never get that film, I'm always confused by it. <laughs> you know what film we should have done this this for this year? What's that? Every which way but loose. Oh, <laughs> like, never... Aren't we doing that? A nice film about a monkey. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> have um, either of you guys seen Capricorn 1? No, I haven't. No. no, I haven't actually. That is a fucking tremendous motion picture. Um, okay. directed, Written and directed, I think, by Peter Hyams, who's like a real kind of uh, journeyman director. He's done a lot of solid work through the 70s and 80s and 90s. Did he do... Oh, Universal Soldier. Uh, no, that was Roland Emmerich, but his son directed, directed the highly acclaimed Straight to Video sequels. Hey, my friend's uh, in that film. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, uh, Day of Reckoning and First and Fair Vizier. Yeah, I don't remember what. The, yeah, I don't remember what the other one's first called. First but... First <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his uh, his son's got in on the act now. But yeah, Capricorn One is a fucking awesome film. Oh, I have to check that Time one Cop. Yeah, Time Cop. He did that. Awesome. Uh, Sudden Death as well, which I thought was an underrated film, which yeah, basically yeah, die hard in a hockey rink. Yeah, yeah, I like Sudden Death. I didn't know Ronald Emmerich. Van Damme films I could think of. I didn't know Ronald Emmerich did uh, the first Universal Soldier. Yeah. I always um, thought his first American film was um, Stargate. And it wasn't. Did, I'm sure he did something he did, else of note. Because he did like well a German that. film with American actors in it. And apparently, it's meant to be very Spielbergian, but I've forgotten what that was called. I'm just looking it up now. I don't know. Roland Emmerich is not the greatest person. <laughs> is he not a good person? I don't know. <laughs> no. Moon 44, that's the one I was thinking of. That's like a. Um, like a Abyss slash Alien slash The Thing type movie I think huh. uh, nope it's not I just assumed it was from the poster out that I saw but reading the uh, synopsis on Wikipedia it's nothing like that but I knew that was an early a Roland Emmerich film okay so anyway Liam yeah. what are we talking about today are we moving on okay <laughs> and do you want to carry on <laughs> I didn't know if James had anything else to say about Capricorn 1. Oh, just, um, the plot is um, the first manned mission to Mars, um, and it's a big deal in American culture. Uh, they're about to launch, um, and the three astronauts um, are taken into a side room, um, and they said there's a problem with the mission. Uh, we can't send you, but we're going to send the rocket off and fake it. Um, okay. So we, we okay. can't um, you know, let the American public down. We can't let them lose faith in our system of government. And uh, they fake the whole thing on a soundstage, and then when the rocket is returning to Earth, it blows up in the atmosphere. Oh! So now they've got these <laughs> oh. three loose ends on Earth, and uh, whilst the government's deciding what to do with them, they escape into the desert, and the government is uh, hunting them to track them down. Okay, it's uh, awesome. it's very good. Yeah, got OJ Simpson in it. Hey, we could have done that. <laughs> Yeah, Elliot Gould's in it as well, I know. Oh, Elliot Gould's really good. I love 70s Elliot yeah. Gould. So. There's some good 70s uh, chat up lines with, between him and uh, Karen Black, I think it is. Some nice uh, 70s banter. 
<laughs> Great. <laughs> That's like when I was watching MASH and I was like, was this okay? <laughs> <laughs> is this normal? So Alice as well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on. So I was going to say, so Liam, what are we what are we talking about today then? So yeah, we're, we're talking about uh, the 1978 horror film I Spit on Your Grave. You can drop that trailer. The trailer's quite good, actually. I spit on your grave. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, yeah. I don't like women giving me orders. I spit on your grave. What you are about to see did happen. I spit on your grave. This woman will soon cut, chop, break, and burn five men beyond recognition. And there isn't a jury in this country that will convict her. I'll give you something to remember for the rest of your life. AKA the Night of the Woman or something. What's it Day called? of the Woman isn't Day of the Day woman. of the Woman. Yeah, which the director is very obsessed with still putting on everything, including <laughs> the the weird sequel that he did like two years ago or something. Yeah, that's gonna that's coming out in October. That's gonna be interesting. I, I thought think. it was it's, already out. Deja Vu out, or something. Yeah, it's out in America, but it's getting a UK release. Well, um, it's it's definitely on the torrent sites, which I haven't visited ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Now they're doing a big box set um, that's coming out in October in the UK. Well, I won't be like rushing three... to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> three of the five films that are in it are cut, so I don't know who this is meant to Christ. appeal to. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you, it's if you're going to watch worth this saying film. that this had so many sequels, like, it's it's incredible that it it not only has got its own sequel that just came out a couple of years ago, but it's it spawned a remake that also got two sequels to it <laughs> but the so remake weird. flopped so it cost two million to make the remake and it made like not even a quarter of that so how they managed theatrically to it... but you know it made a killing on video and oh, demand and all that kind of stuff they were probably in profit that's... before they shot it yeah I, mean, I guess that's so. why we wanted to talk about this really it's like um because it's all about the video releases that's mm. why this this is fi- a special film so on, squat, on, special quote, kind of <laughs> but it's why it's a notable film it's why people know the name of this it's why it gets remakes it's why it gets like you know it's made loads of money over the year it's all to do with that video release which was a new thing in 1978 yeah because i was reading some quotes from the director saying that you know it didn't make much it kind of flopped to the cinema didn't it but like it did yeah i didn't even get a wide release it kind of just got showed on like um uh, like drive-throughs and stuff like that yeah I, I was listening to the commentary uh, before we did this and he basically he couldn't get anybody to buy the film so he tried to self-release it on about 10 screens and he barely made back what he co- spent on the posters for it <laughs> um, so at that point he kind of pulled it and tried to uh, regroup and replan what he was going to do about the release did you know on the poster it's um, it's not the actress from the film apparently it's Demi Moore <laughs> Yeah, I just yeah. found this out. So she would have been about 16 at the time of that. Oh, it says from 1980 release, so maybe she was mm. a little bit older. So maybe she was about 18, 19. But, uh, I think but yeah. she would have had to have been, uh, like, I'd hope. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> can but hope. 
But yeah, the whole re-release thing is why it's called I Spit in a Grave, because it got sold to a distribution company, the Jerry Gross Company, mm-hmm. and they retitled it and re-released it as I Spit in a Grave. So the director is so obsessed with the, the original name, and that's why it keeps, still keeps appearing, because it wasn't his choice to rename it. Oh, okay. Yeah, apparently yeah, it was such a big hit like on VHS that apparently it worked out that everybody who had a VHS player in the UK, like there was like one sold for every like VHS that was available, like player that was available. Christ, so like, it's incredible. Well, my uh, grandparents like had a VCR and they had a membership to a video shop, and they they were paying like a a, a fee every month for it, and they're like, we're going to get our money's worth for this, so they rented all the video nasties. So my nana has seen I Spit on Your Grave and <laughs> Evil Dead and Faces of Death because they were the only tapes available and they were to get, get their money's worth. worth out of that membership. Well, it's, like, it's worth saying because when VHSs got launched, which I don't know, was around 1977, I think, around that, um, the studios didn't didn't actually support them. They didn't mm. think, they thought it would really harm you know, cinema yeah. and, and it was a bad way to show films. And what that left was basically this huge, like, just void that people could fill. And it got filled with these kind of, like, independent films, these small horror films, and and, and they got pushed out to a rate that they were getting absorbed through, like, videotapes much quicker than any other releases. And then, um, and because they were so, like, it was a new technology, the ratings laws that existed didn't exist for videotapes, they only existed oh. for films. So it's kind of complicated, but we're definitely get into it because I think it's really fascinating but the the MPAA in America they copyrighted their releases they you know their rankings but the X ranking wasn't copyrighted so like loads of loads of VHS did you see it's released with the X ranking um, which made them seem you know pornographic and, and weird and horrible which made them appeal to people more and this was what happened with this film massively um more than important, when it got its theatre released, it actually got 17 minutes cut out of it for its theatre release in America, and that got it an R rating. When they released it on VHS, they put in those 17 minutes back into the VHS, but released it with an R rating still on the tape. <laughs> and that everyone knew this, and that's why it had no terrority, and people ran out to buy it. But um, it and that ended up in a court case in 1983 for them pushing out this R rating in a film that hadn't got the R rating because it had that 17 minutes put back into it, like <laughs> to gain it, like that X rating. But when this was released, it was um, it was pretty much one of the first films to ever find monetary success through like VHSs. Um, on the box office, it made no money, but in VHS, it was t- number 24 on the Billboard charts for most of 1981. Um, I think it stayed in the top 40 for. I think it was something ridiculous, like twenty weeks or something like that. So it was um, a lingerer, it, it just lingered around, just yeah. kind of it outsold things like God, Godfather Two and yeah. uh, wow. like big Hollywood it, movies. Best selling video cassette of that year, mm. like this was. It, like, um, and the studio, I think it's Studio Canal of this country. But I can't remember if it was the same in America. No, it wasn't Studio Canal. Whatever. They um they re released it six times wow. because they couldn't meet demand. And it's just it's it was it's it's hard to undervalue how big this film was in that time, really. It's the same with um, Evil Dead as well. They did a, a simultaneous theatrical and video release, and that was the number one video for 1983 in the UK, at least, uh, outselling ET, 
which is do you think with evil dead they put that tree rape scene in because of films like i spit on your grave to kind of capitalize on that yeah because those guys weren't really horror guys yeah exactly decided to make a horror because it was for business yeah for business reasons wasn't it so they just basically went around drive-ins and watching all these types of films so it's probably something they thought okay we need to have this because they all seem very naive and uh, innocent about this kind of thing so they thought okay so we need to put a rape scene in this film without thinking actually no we don't yeah because they chat in in Evil Dead 2 it's not necessarily a rape scene is it it's just like no and that is Sam Raimi says that's the one thing he regrets about the first film right oh and apparently having Rob Tappert visible in the background so they digitally removed him like (laughs) I did not know that (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're going across the bridge and uh, it's meant to be this isolated cabin in the middle of nowhere and then there's just Rob Tappert standing off to the side with a clipboard (laughs) watching him go across the bridge Why does Sam Raimi have to go to court over the video nasty stuff? Um, he was, you know, speaking on behalf of his intentions and what he was, uh, uh, what he was thinking. He was basically like, he's Sam Raimi is such an affable little dude. There's no mm. way he could think like this is a sadist who's only out yeah. to uh, yeah. encourage murder and uh, destruction and rape. So we'll bring him up to the stand and we'll say, look, it's just, it's an it might not be your kind of art, but it's art of some way, of some degree. And then the court was just like, no, nah, we don't need to hear from you. Okay, so we came all the way for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth saying, because when you go through the video nasties list, there are films like that that you've seen, you know, that are now common releases. There are films mm. like that that no one's, you know, apart from if you're seeking them out, you know, if seen. And well, that's, it's the Streisand just... effect. Like, yeah, half of these yeah, films would be completely forgotten if they hadn't kicked up such a fuss at the time. Um, like Night of the Demon. Sure. It's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's the famous 50s version, which is a horror classic, and then there's the video nasty about a killer Bigfoot who rips a guy's cock off. <laughs> Nobody would be talking about that unless it was on this list of the essential 72 films that you must see if you're a must buy yeah, yeah you must see yeah that's what it became absolutely it's worth still getting the history of it if people don't know because obviously it's this is an english thing mm. but in america basically the film the reason they didn't have the same sort of issue that went through but what they did have was roger Ebert. <laughs> roger oh, yes. Ebert hated this film like with an absolute passion and because of his like Furosity and how much he hated it. He sold it to the world, like it, yeah. even to this day. <laughs> there's no the press, sequel, like what is it? There's no such yeah. thing as bad press. There and there isn't, and it had to. You had to see it because look how much Robert Roger Hebert hated this. Even that sequel we were talking about, Deja Vu. Mm. Their website links to a review of Roger Ebert's original review of the original <laughs> film. They're the, still like, look, look, this guy, like this is this the film. Like, the beginning of the director's commentary on the DVD. Uh, the first like five minutes of it uh, is him like reading out reviews both good and <laughs> bad uh talking but shitting on him saying what a fucking freak he is and uh mm. what his intentions are and yeah he brings up ebert a bunch of times on the commentary and at the end he says we did invite roger ebert to provide his own commentary on the film and he turned us down which that would have been amazing to listen that to. That would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> James, isn't it? It's worth worth you talking about your dad and like his history with like yeah, with um, these video so, yeah, nasties. My dad had a video shop in the early eighties, and he had a lot of these titles. Um, what was it called? His shop. 
uh, Whitkirk video? Uh, I think it was. Um, he's in a documentary uh, that came out a few years ago uh, called Video Nasty is the Definitive Nasty, Guide. Yeah. Um, it's actually stock footage. He was in a uh, interviewed for a Channel 4 thing um, at the time in like 83. And it's uh, stock footage from that. But it shows you him getting into his van and doing uh, house deliveries of videos. Um, <laughs> Here's your oh, copy right. of I Spell yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, he was the deliverer of uh, Video Nasties. Um, so yeah, he was. He told me like the full story just a couple of months ago. Um, so, like he knew he was um, dealing video nasties, and you know, as any normal person would think, they're just films. Like, who yeah. gives a fuck? So he was just very careful about who he rented them to, mm. and um, like he wouldn't rent them to new customers. He'd always wait a while, see what they're like, and if they ask for <laughs> <Bet> it, them, <laughs> yeah, decide whether he's going to give them it or not. Uh, and one day he uh, he was off doing something else, and he had an assistant who was working the till. And some new guy came in, opened an account, um, and tried to rent some video nasties, and he gave them to him. And he turned out to be an undercover cop. Oh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's how that's what led to the raid. And then in the middle of the raid, while it was happening, so they actually raided other... your dad's shop. Yeah, yeah, that's... did the full thing. Um, that was the law, yeah. Um, so the cops are in there raiding, going through his stuff, taking his videos and this other customer comes to the front door with a handful of video nasties. He's another cop but he's uh, he's a customer who's just rented them for shits and giggles. <laughs> he sees what's going on and just turns and walks away like Grandpa going into the uh, the back of the Maison Derriere. <laughs> with his hat. Yeah. <laughs> Faces uh, of death, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was the uh, the first person in the UK to be prosecuted. That's nuts. Video analysis, so that's, yeah. that's Stephen Taylor. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. He, yeah, I wrote down Stephen Taylor. On my list. <laughs> uh, yeah, he got a six six hundred pound fine um, or six hundred fifty pound fine. Um, yeah, basically a slap on the wrist because like a bunch of people like went to jail after that. That's the big quote that's in the documentary is. Uh, He's lucky he's the first guy because the next guy could go to jail, and uh, eventually someone did. Well, it's a good job yeah. they didn't do an example of your dad, like he was the first mm. one, so like we well, get it was hard all, on this guy, and then it was all new. Um, like people didn't know what to do. Like films were getting found guilty or obscenity in one court, yeah. but then they'll be found not guilty in another court. So they, they were basically yeah. just running around, trying flinging shit around, seeing what sticks. I mean, yeah, like the when 1982 is when the Obscene Publication Squad, I think they were called. Mm. Um, there was also another one called Parliamentary Obscene for something. They went to the director of public pr- prosecutions um, and they gave him three films. Uh, I Spit on Your Grave, uh, SS, SS Experiment Love Camp and Driller Killer. <laughs> I drill a, and that's asked, so boring, Driller Killer is. <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing about most of these films. Yeah. But like, uh, um, they... They asked them to prosecute these three films under the 1959 Act of um, for uh, obscene material, and he agreed, but also added two films to it, which were Death Trap and Cannibal Holocaust. And uh, that that point in 1982, it became illegal to own these, as as um, you know, to own them, and definitely not to distribute them. After that ruling. Um, they ended up being a list of 74 films which were illegal under the law and they would modify them monthly 
Uh, that list existed up until 1984 when the BBFC was finally given power to actually classify VHSs. And basically overnight they had to classify like a thousand VHSs uh, that had never been looked at before, like um, including everything basically. Like, um, and was, was Straw Dogs one of those then? Potentially, it or... wasn't on the seventy-four list, but it was. Yeah, banned. it was. Yeah, it was, well, um, or at least yeah, wasn't released they, in a, on... yeah, they basically didn't want to release it. They were asking for cuts, and they decided to just not bother. Bother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like the yeah, there's the seventy seventy-four films. Half of them were fully prosecuted and found guilty, yeah. and then the other half were found not guilty or not prosecuted um, and I think Straw Dogs was on the latter list, I don't think it was an think official so. prosecuted nasty No, okay. there were 39 films that were prosecutable mm. um, and for example I've got a list of some that you might recognise the name of, um, Bay of Blood oh, yeah. Last House on the Left oh, yeah. uh, the, the Beast in Heat Faces of Death, yeah. I Spit on Your Grave The Toolbox Murders uh, Tanabre, Driller yeah. Killer and Cannibal Holocaust like that, for an example, most of those films you won't have heard of. Of those thirty-nine films, I think, um, but they were they were prosecuted in court. People were fine for them. Owning them was illegal. Giving them out were illegal. Copying them, everything like that. They were obscene items. They were classified as obscenity. There were thirty-three films on the list, which were which were non-prosecutable, as in they went through court and they didn't get prosecuted. And one of those were Evil Dead like um, Hell of the Living Dead and stuff like that so there were films on this list that didn't lead to prosecutions and then there were a ton of other the rest of the films were were called the video nasties and these were films that they weren't going to prosecute you for owning but you weren't they would seize them so right. on that list was stuff like Night of the Living Dead Texas Chainsaw Massacre Night Hills of Night of the Living Dead Eyes. was on there yeah 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 uh, Suspiria Rabid Dawn of the Dead Phantasm Prom Night Friday the 13th Shit. Scanners um, that, so they wouldn't prosecute for that, but they would seize you um, for having them. That's insane. And then there were other there was other category of stuff that they were kind of banned, um, but not really. But that stuff like Basket Case and City of the Living Dead and stuff like that were on those lists. And this was you know this is the way UK ob- like like censorship law ha- existed for for the early part of the eighties. Mm. Yeah, I started collecting horror right at the tail end of it, where trying to get an uncut horror film was a pain in the ass sure. like Evil Dead still had two and a half minutes missing out of it when yep. I started getting into, into horror stuff even Friday the 13th wasn't released uncensored until 2003 in the mm. UK and it's like that with loads of those films that you've seen and you know really well. Well I have a feeling even like Reservoir Dogs took a long time to come out on VHS because of yeah. reasons like that I think I think that was there was something in the news at the time yeah. which meant that the it might have, it might have been a bit early for Jamie Bulger but there was a big yeah. thing about video violence in the mm. early nineties again. It keeps coming around. Um, it was um, when the uh, tabloids need three, something, wasn't it, with Jamie Bulger? That was the they got. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think was ninety three or ninety four when that happened. Yeah. But yeah, the tabloids sometimes need a, a scapegoat or they need a crusade, and the video nasties thing will come back around. They tried it again a few years ago when uh, Cannibal Holocaust came out on DVD mm-hmm. and they were like, they're selling it in Tesco's next to your chips and your <laughs> newspapers and nobody gave a fuck anymore. I think video no. games and social media have taken over that now. Yeah. They, really? But yeah, like after that act, they raided uh, the um, company Astro Video they distributed, I Spit in Your Grave and mm. they destroyed everything in their offices. They destroyed like um, 
all the covers, posters, the master copies, the promotional material, and they seized, I think it was over 300, something about 300 or something copies of the film and stuff. Um, and it was all because, as James was saying, it was people like Mary Winehouse, uh, Mary Winehouse, White House, mm. <laughs> <laughs> who, um, like, and the Daily Mail, who, who pushed out these kind of campaigns of these films will um, ruin people, and especially kids. It was mainly think of the kids, you know. The, the thing that is... I think it's considered to have started the whole thing was the distributor of Cannibal Holocaust sent a copy to Mary Whitehouse because they knew she'd kick up a stink about it and they were just, just... expecting some free publicity for yeah, it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and instead they brought about like, the downfall of uh, <laughs> unregulated video in the UK. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like. Did um... she help bring along about the watershed and stuff like that as well? And... Probably. She's been going since like the 50s or 60s. Yeah. Uh, the... I think she was involved in like LGBTQ laws and stuff. Really? Like yeah, and, she was a what right a bitch. fucking nut. <laughs> I've got a yeah. book um, called "Ban This Filth," which yes. is um, like all the correspondence that she wrote to various organisations complaining about stuff. Um, I haven't read it yet, but it's sat on my shelf, just calling to me occasionally, <laughs> and I never quite get there. I've got fucking loads of books to read now at this point, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to reading that because I've seen a few. Um, like debates she was involved in and she's one of these real sticklers like I don't need to have seen it to know what's in it yeah. types that just fucking infuriate me. I think it's it's one of the enduring things about this film um, and as, as I said before we start recording I don't think I can go through this film beat by beat at all. <laughs> but like um, Well I think all the, what you've just talked about is way more interesting than this film like, that's First point, of all I think this, this is, film yeah, is yeah, fucking yeah. boring <laughs> 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 that's the biggest sin of this film I think but yeah but like um, I think it's really interesting to say that the Daily Mail like they would they would say about these films stuff that wasn't in them and, mm. and, and especially this film to defend it like it doesn't sexualise rape in the same way as I think Straw Dogs does yeah, and, well, because she and, kind of gets into it in Straw Dogs, doesn't she? That's yeah, weird. and this film doesn't do that. This film makes it very clear that this is a horrible. Yeah, act, yeah, yeah. And it isn't. It isn't even like shot in that way. It's shot a lot from her point of view, mm. uh, which makes it even again horrible. Like, and a lot of the Daily Mail articles at the time were saying about how these films would depict sadism and show victims enjoying their assault, and and this was that was the outrage. And they would also say stuff. I think even Roger Ebert said that, like, I can never say his surname. Ebert, <laughs> Ebert, well, like, you know, an hour of rape this film has. It mm. isn't. It's twenty-five minutes. It's still. I mean, even more then. than I need. Well, she's <laughs> raped. She <laughs> runs away. Then they find her. Somehow they're ahead of her. Yeah. Then they oh. rape her again against a rock, which ugh, that was disgusting. That mm. scene is one of the worst. Then she gets seen. home, tries to call the police and he's raped again <laughs> I think yeah, that that part. scene has one of the best jump scares I've ever had that, what, that was good shit my pants yeah. <laughs> when that happened well, I was listening to the headphones phone. on it's like whoa yeah I was watching it at like 1am by myself and uh, I turned off all the lights and uh, it, that's the thing like there's no score in the film yeah no, um, there isn't so there's that, only two bits of music in the whole yeah film. and that's all um, like within the scene isn't it so yeah, yeah so it's like church organ it playing diegetic um, or non-diegetic yeah I think it's yeah diegetic uh, yeah she visits a church and there's an organist uh, playing and then uh, there's a bit well actually there's oh, three yeah, there pieces the there's a there's bit of music pieces, in the yeah. uh, in the shop when they're at the supermarket uh, some music playing and then 
where she puts on some classical music after yeah. uh, one of her vengeance-based escapades uh, <laughs> to drown out the screaming. I would say, as, as you brought up that scene, I think that um, I think that that should have been the last shot of the film. I agree. I thought they fucked up by having yeah. that not be the absolute finale. Which thing that's, was that? That's the Which big thing. So after she castrates him, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. puts on some music. That's the perfect place there. to put the credits. Yeah, because put your credits at that point. Yeah, I thought, I thought he would yeah. have been the last one to kill as well because he's like yeah. the final boss. He was the first, and it wouldn't one have taken to... much editing to shove the last two deaths before. Oh yeah, mm. nothing. Yeah. Just they were kind the of underwhelming. Was... They weren't nearly. They are. As, like there wasn't the slow build or the suspense to those kills as there was to. So to fucking... just to quickly summarize the plot, she's a young girl from New York who's come to this like what quaint, smaller kind of. Southern yeah, you get all that rural it's, it's basically, panic. yeah, yeah. Uh, redneck country. Yeah, and she's it's, pro- it's properly like what you call it. Um, uh, oh, the film's gone out of my head. Texas <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre. Ah, oh, okay, and yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, totally. Is anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Continue, Ollie. I was going to say. So you're introduced to the main <laughs> character who's played by is it Camille Keaton? Yes. Yeah. Uh, who? Who? I Buster think Keaton's she eventually. Is whose? Buster Keaton's granddaughter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, totally. And she yeah. married the director Mia. What's his name? What's his name? Mia, Mia Zachi. Zachi. Yeah. So she married him, and she's apparently in the like the legacy sequel that's mm-hmm. coming out. Deja Vu. Um, I, I, I have to say, I think she's great in this. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, she's really she's a troop, really that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she spends half the film naked. The only yeah. other film that I know where the character's naked the whole way through is Life Force. <laughs> um, yeah that's a very different film yeah, yeah space vampires um yeah so she comes to this town to write her to write her book she encounters like this mechanic and uh like two guys just kind of like what are they like rugby like are they playing american they just kind of bums yeah they, um, no you know what they're doing what are they doing? they're doing they're trying to they keep throwing a knife and they're trying to pick it up without falling over, but they're not allowed to move their back leg. Oh, okay. That's oh, the actual game, the plane. Yeah. God I, knows I have no recollection is, of that. But... So, yeah, anyway, she then. Uh, we see she's got a gun. Which. Yeah, that's a weird. Which she doesn't use. <laughs> she doesn't use it, does she? Yeah, kind she does. of. She doesn't yeah. kill anyone with it. Yeah, though. she just she... kind of uses it to sound to make. No, she threatens the guy later on. She's there's later on in the scene when she picks up Johnny before taking him to the Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a point in it when she he's justifying the rape, saying that it was her fault. Uh, you know, he says you came to my gas station walking up and down with your legs, yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff like <laughs> with the worst and... ADR I've ever heard in my life. Like <laughs> All worst. of the ADR in this film sounds like it was recorded in somebody's wet room. Yeah, it's terrible. It's abs- like, and especially the guy who plays—is it Matthew, the kind of the nerdy one? That, uh, simple and, Jack. And he keeps humming to himself, and he's humming and he's mumbling. He's so mm. loud on top of the mix. It's it's weird. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that, that Matthew has like that. What do they call it on TV tropes? Um, and and ambiguous disorder. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's from, yeah. But he's dressed like Which... a typical nerd, like a high school nerd kind of guy, isn't he? Mm. Glasses and slick back hair and kind of like floppy slick back hair. But anyway, he's yeah. like a delivery man or he works in a grocer's, doesn't he? And he's kind yeah, of he does Uber's eats apparently. And he's befriended these three guys, the the mechanic and the uh his two friends. And uh 
he goes back to say that you know he's met this girl and you know he likes her and stuff and then uh what happens then she's like she's out she's like just enjoying yeah she takes um yeah she's writing and enjoying her time like takes a swim in the lake Oh, yeah. I forgot to say, she gets naked within the first five minutes. She just takes yeah, a Yeah, I, I, I checked and, the time code on that. And you're like, well. that didn't take too long, did it? <laughs> That's a, There's an implication that she's being watched at that point. Yeah. And I wonder if it's meant to be that Matthew mm. character is meant to be watching her. Yeah, because he says, he goes back to those guys and he's like, mm. I saw her tits and like, yeah. I didn't remember any. you like, when? Yeah, so I <laughs> guess, not, yeah, that is the implication. I'm not, say, I'm not saying the acting's subtle from any of these characters in this film, but he was no. so cartoonish. It was mm. really bizarre, like how cartoon... It's really offensive. Yeah, it definitely. Is, it's like, like, what's going on here? What is this? Anyway. He, do you know what he remind me of? He reminded me, you know, in Clerks when Walt Flanagan plays the guy who's offended by um, oh, yeah. the, the 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 porno mag. He reminded me of that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Showing nasty images in front of customers. In front of the customers, you should, both should be fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then basically the two of the others, like they're on a speedboat, aren't they? And they're kind of like taunting her, almost kind of like mm. keen, like racing round her, kind of like. Just, just creating kind of a ruckus. Being annoying. And, yeah, like so she can't like two ride. kids on a quad bike riding around the estate. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, she decides to go out on a boat, and then they come again on the speedboat and like basically drag her away. And then that's when things escalate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the that's... whole idea is like uh, Matthew is a virgin, and they're basically capturing her for him to uh, have his way with. Uh, and you know, with his undiagnosed disorder, he's uh, he is very hesitant to do it. So they think, well, if you're not going, I'll go. Yeah. And that's yeah. where everybody has a turn. And uh, well, not initially. First, it's just Johnny, the uh, the ringleader. Uh, yeah. They knock I, her around a bit. He looks very familiar. Like I've seen him in other films, but I don't think I have. He's got. He's just. Got he's just that kind of generic '70s sleaze bag type yeah. guy. I think. Um. Yeah, after that, they let her go, and she... It seems to me like they were implying she was kind of lost in the woods, like she walks into the water, and she's having to move logs and get through mm. all the uh, vegetation and everything, and then she's uh, back on land, and she comes into a clearing, and the guys are already waiting there. Yeah, the harmonica. That's kind of a deliverance yeah, yeah. kind of moment, isn't it, I guess? Absolutely. And they're they're kind of hunting her at that point and playing yeah. games at that point. Yeah, it's there's an escalation through the three scenes, definitely. Mm. I feel so bad for Camille though in the this this whole portion of the film like she's naked going through dirty water uh, you know climbing over these logs it's like it must have been torture to film this honestly like I don't know it yeah. makes you wonder why some actors take on these like roles to be honest like you know I don't I don't I don't know well, I you know they see this was at all pleasant yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, from the commentary, it's basically like any other low-budget production where there's not enough uh, equipment. The reason the sound is bad is because apparently the sound recorder they had was like from the 50s. Um, <laughs> so it's the constantly battling with all the same elements that every other low-budget production like, has. I don't think it's shot necessarily bad. Like it's, it's quite competently no, I, I shot, see... and you know it's got some mm. interesting bits going on here and there. Like... Ebert really made a point about it being so amateurishly made and. Um, terribly uh, put together, but it it looks all right. Yeah, I don't think it's that it's, bad. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, the I, sound for, really for, for like 
for one of for like a video nasty film it's you know oh, you know yeah. it's not too dark that you can't see anything there's in mm, fact i don't sure. think anything happens at night really it's all it's no. all pretty much in the daylight which probably makes it even worse that all this mm. horror happens in broad that's daylight true. that's true so yeah she uh, escapes well she's let go after that and gets home um and kind of collapses and she slowly crawls across the room to the phone and she just manages to dial for help and the phone is suddenly kicked out of the way and that's the jump scare i was referring to yeah yeah Yeah, that shit me up yeah um and then the ordeal begins again i kind of expected them to be in the house to be honest but it still made me jump but uh I, I, for some reason, I thought it was two. I thought they, she got away and then it happened again. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting the third one. No, yeah. I wasn't. No, <laughs> I, I just, I was just like, again, really? <laughs> like we've got there. I know it's horrific, and and then the third one is worse. I don't yeah. think it's just. You know, yes. I, I, after this, I paused the so film. You... I have to say, like I went, I went, I went for a breather. <laughs> yeah. So this Matthew character is just because he's. At first, he's like, he's like, no, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. They kind of force him in the first one to hold her down and stuff like that. But then, mm-hmm. this time, he kind of then he gets into it, and you're thinking, oh. anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know, does the other one rape her or not? I can't even. All through, all, all I mean, through, he definitely yeah, it... uh, assaults her. He, he beats her up, and yeah, uh, I think I think they cut around it, but I think there was uh, some. Uh, shenanigans with that wine bottle yes yeah yeah i didn't even think of that yeah yeah that that crossed my mind but um yeah then they go to escape on their boat but they tell matthew he has to kill her and stab her through the through the chest which he claims he does but you know obviously yeah he he dips the blood uh, dips the knife in blood and tells them he has yeah which is a weird bit it's a weird bit about the kind of abuse of like someone who's being portrayed as mentally ill as well yeah there's no real reason to send him to go do it when you know he's inept apart from they have control over him as well Well, they're just pricks up well yeah yeah that's the thing like they they make a a lot of the criticism was about how you're uh invited to identify with these guys and that's what's causing it to be uh so titillating to the viewer but it's clear from the very first scene even in the non-sexual context these guys are massive assholes and yeah. you don't want to be involved with them in any way yeah no the film doesn't even put you in their heads the film isn't mm. doing that like it isn't asking you to relate to them at all like it, it isn't like that's the defense of it totally mm. um it is just portrayed as these people are you know horrible and they they deserve everything that's going to come to them that's the whole point of this. But I'll say at the same point, you don't know much about the character of Jennifer at all, really, other than she's from New York and she's trying to write a book. That's it. Like, she's not mm. she's not given much of a character. You don't really know mm. much about her, really, at all. There's a little bit of it. Like, they, when she's writing, they do a bit of voiceover about yes. the kind of thing she is writing. Well, I guess it's but, meant to yeah. be quite autobiographical, what she's writing, I think. Yeah. But, um, um, I do like the so they uh, the, after they attack her, the, one of the things they do is tear up her manuscript, like they mm. berate her and tear up her manuscript. And one of the first things you get after they all leave, and when she goes through this two week recovery, um, is that she she's um, uh, sellotaping her manuscript back together. It's almost like she's putting her life back together at that point. Yeah, I yeah. So, I so thought like... that was quite good actually. I thought that was that was a good, good visual metaphor for what they're doing with with that bit. 
Mm. And at this point, she kind of dresses herself in full black. She's like a proper like Avenger. Yeah. Um, and she goes to like the church and asks for forgiveness for what she's about to do. But there is a there is a question about at no point does she try and call the cops after that first bit. There's no like she doesn't seek justice at any point, does she? I think that was part of the idea because uh, do you know the full story behind the incident that inspired it like the director i know that i know the director met someone who was raped and that kind of inspired yeah he was it. walking i think it was through central park or it was a, a park in new york and this naked woman emerges from the bushes in front of the um, director yeah uh, and his his family i think um and like they she tells them that she's been raped um so they like, just wait there one second when i get my <laughs> She, um, they take her to the police, um, you know, to inform them so that they can hopefully go out and look for these guys. <clears throat> but instead, um, the cop is so disinterested and he basically just goes through the admin and the uh, paperwork of it. And the girl's got a broken jaw. What the and, fuck? Yeah, the cop is like, what's your name? Speak up, I can't hear you. Can you spell oh, that? God. And yeah, basically the director had to yell at the cop. To say fuck your paperwork, get this girl to a hospital. So you think um, from this film he was coming at it from a a good he was thinking he was coming at it from a good point of view then. Yeah, I think I think his intentions were pure. Right. Um listening his commentary is is very interesting, but it's also really weird because um I get the feeling he wrote it like he scripted it. Uh, oh, and like timed it out to the film. Oh. <laughs> and he's um he's a re- Israeli, so he's got this but he sounds more French for some reason. So he's got this weird accent and it's got, it turns into this weird Herzogian kind of narration <laughs> over the film. God. Yeah, it's it's a very weird way to watch it, but he's, uh, he's a very interesting guy. And um, yeah, so I think he avoided the cops for that reason. I yeah, think he just even... left it entirely to the woman to seek her there's own There's not vengeance. even like a cop station. Is that what they're called? Cop, Police <laughs> cop shop. <laughs> cop shop in town you mm. never see any, you never see a car go past you know like a sirens or anything in it um there's no idea that there is anyone else she can turn to i don't mm. think at any point yeah it's basically a supermarket and a gas station isn't it that was the entire yeah, yeah. town and then basically that's there's a weird scene here that the, i i really took against this part of the film for some reason but she she's watching She's watching them all and she sees that he's got a wife and kids. Yeah. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I thought it was so I thought it was so odd they introduced him as a family man at this point. I don't What I don't would know. you have, would you preferred it if, if they were to introduce that element it was in earlier in the film or something or or do you just think I the whole know. point I just of that was just odd you, anyway? As you say, you just learn so little about yeah. the characters. It was odd that there suddenly was like characterization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's that's what it that's what it was. There's there's only yeah, one of the well there's the wife in it and there's another woman because uh, they all get they go to like a a coffee shop don't they and they're all trying to they're all asking um, Matthew for some reason on yes, the news like right. why they don't know what's going on in this small town it like it appears like there's five people in this town and they can't figure <laughs> out like so basically they're trying to find out if there's any news on a dead. If if Jennifer's been found dead, because obviously You're Matthew's right, yeah. supposed They're to have killed her. They're confused why she hasn't been found dead. Yeah, and Matthew then admits that he never killed her. Yeah, and that's when they beat him up. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. But then she then basically asks for groceries to her house, and then Matthew at work is told he's got to deliver groceries, and then he has a 
should I go? Should I go? Should I go? And then takes like a cheese knife. <laughs> a hell of a knife with him. I know. Yeah, and he puts it down his pants as well. Like yeah. that, you're taking a risk there, buddy. <laughs> On a bike especially, as well. Yeah, especially with your undiagnosed condition. <laughs> but yeah, and then at this point, it's it's very weird. She's like a siren. Yeah, you know, like like, like all in him. white. She's almost like a yeah. She's like like a kind of. I don't know, almost like she's a supernatural like being luring him to that the river. Well she is in the lake, so she is kind of like one of those like uh what the, yeah, like a siren that kind of Yeah. Um and she seduces him, they start having sex and midway through she hangs him. Basically. Well, I don't say midway through, she does say he he came later on. Oh, does she? Yeah. God. So they yeah, they he couldn't come during the initial rape and then later on she's confessing to uh to Johnny when he remarks that Matthew's been missing. He's like, oh yeah, I killed him. I uh, killed him. I, I tell let you him uh, have his way. And you know what? He came. <laughs> oh, God. She's pretty strong though to pull him up though on that rope. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very visceral hanging. Yeah. It was like, I know. I like the shot of his all... legs dangling to be fair. I thought it looked quite good. But... Yeah. It's all, I know this film's all about the cathartic release of like, finally like, the, you know, you're, they've got what they deserved, but I didn't feel that much catharsis. No. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> Maybe other people would, but I was just like, this somehow it's it's not got worse. Definitely hasn't got worse, but it's it wasn't like giving me what I wanted. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Then the next one is she goes to the uh, to the mechanic guy Johnny, mm. who's with his family, and she lures him into his car into a car, doesn't she? Is that with the gun? She uh, she, she makes eyes at him. That's to it. Get yeah. him into the car first, and then she pulls the gun, the gun out. And yeah, and then they have a bath together. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of good. I kind of like it in the fact that she's clearly. I think she looks like she's going to shoot him, and she had was going to shoot him. But when he started justifying everything and saying it was her fault, she decides this isn't good enough. Yeah, you need to lowers, be fucked up even. Yeah, she like lowers the gun and 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 takes him back to her house where he runs him a nice hot bath because you know hot waters you know lets the blood flow more and stuff like that. Like, um, which I. I don't know if that's purposeful. I kind of like that she ramps it up herself. You know, this violence isn't good enough for him. I'm really gonna show him like what I can do or something. Yeah, I and... don't think she was reconsidering. Like, oh, maybe I was to blame. Yeah, I think she, no, she's no. definitely reacting to what he said. But um, yeah, so she pulls. It. Well, I'm guessing she's um, you know doing stuff to him under the uh, under the bubbles, and then <laughs> pulls a knife out on him. And I thought she was gonna shove it up his ass, but no. <laughs> what was the line, Liam? Because I was I was chatting to Liam as I was I watching it, it. Down, yeah, and I was like, down. I was like, hang on a minute, did she just chop his knob off? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's so sweet, it's almost painful. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, he says. <laughs> I I would feel a pinprick. So as soon as my knob's chopped off, I'd feel that straight away. <laughs> it's so weird, and she's like, she's already gone out the bath, yeah. and he's like, where are you going? Where are you going? And then blood starts pooling everywhere, like and. Oh, oh god. god. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. But you are right though, when she goes to sit on the chair and listen to the music, that would have been the perfect time to end the film, I think. Mm. Yeah, um, it would have been. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, they should have put the let the boat deaths on before this one. I was saying to Lee, and though the blood when she goes back to the bathroom there's like the dead body and there's a blood everywhere. It's cleaning up, yeah. Yeah, it looks like uh junior school poster paint. Like seventies <laughs> blood has got that very kind of like pinky like a I mean, matty it, it, kind of 
Yeah, it looks better than the Dawn of the Dead blood. That's true. Yeah. All the Tom Savini's blood look like that, though. Yeah, he didn't start. I think he was buying that formula from like a theatrical company or something, and then right. he started mixing his own, and that's when it actually started looking like blood. See, Evil Dead's blood looked like blood, I thought, and then yeah, they were mixing that themselves as well. Uh, yeah, coffee and caro syrup, I believe. Yeah, sir- it's all about oh, the syrup. Right. Yeah, because wasn't it that their hair got so sticky that it just kind of started to like? Yeah, I mean they had to. Um... The, the floor got so sticky, they had to take ashes out of the fire and sprinkle it all over the floor oh. so they could walk around without <laughs> sticking. Sounds like a nightclub floor, like the Academy <laughs> of Snobs around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's when, and then the next scene after this, after, because she locks him in the bathroom and he's screaming in the bathroom and bashing around, and, uh, and then she's just sitting there listening to the Portini, I think it is, um, just rocking back and forth and stuff like that, and just in the background are these, like, Screams that's being drowned out by the classical music. Kind of liked it. I like, like I kind of like that bit of the film. Um, but then it cuts this really weird scene with the wife, and <laughs> she's yelling at them for some reason. Your bums, um, get out of here, your bums. I'm like, yeah, like yeah. no offense, like they're assholes, but they haven't done anything to her. They were just sitting down. <laughs> like I don't that, think they they were meant to be like just hangers on. Like that is when the. Um... When I'm she's guessing she ready knows to get into the bath um, with uh, with Johnny. He's sat there complaining when she's asking how he, uh, about his friends. He's like, I don't have any friends. These two guys, they just hang around like leeches. Uh, uh, yeah. I hate them. I hate anybody who doesn't work. So these are just a couple of guys who were kind of like the the sad. He might have been like the most popular guy in school, and these were his followers, and they right. just continued following him into adulthood or something like that. I'm sorry, but it's not hard to shut people out of your life if you really want to. I'm sure he could have worked harder at getting rid of them. But anyway, there's five people in town. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they say, she was saying, like, he's a good husband. He's good father and husband, and he wouldn't just abandon me kind of thing. And I was like, I don't believe that he's a good husband. I was more concerned day. about how she was smoking that cigarette around by the gas pump. Yeah, pumps. she was just like, like <laughs> she had the cigarette in her fingers and she was just molesting that fucking gas pump. Yeah. Like, with that hand. I was like, you know, it's fine to smoke near it, I guess. Like, you can't you even have your mobile phone to... around them these days. <laughs> yeah. Cigarette, so. Don't put the cigarette on the gas pump. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things. So, yeah, and so they go off. Um, I don't know why. I guess they're trying to find him. Um, and they find her. And she she kind of does that classic uh, final girl thing, I think, at this point. Like, she mm. robs both their kind of... Um, their their instruments of power. Yeah. So she robs like her but his boat and robs the, the axe. axe as well. So like she you know she takes their strength from them and and then torments them in the same way they were tormenting her, like by doing donuts around her in the lake and stuff. Um, and then at one point. When when the I, one, I when it's... the one guy has to save his friend, why does he take his trousers off? <laughs> he just, yeah. It's like what? Why was that necessary? I don't know. I think that guy was the most offensive in the film, just for the suspenders. Yeah, just wearing <laughs> was... like a pair of jeans with suspenders and no underpants on underneath. Nothing else. I was saying to Liam though, like you see the main actress like fully naked, full on a lot, whereas the mm, men it yeah. was always very hidden, like. You saw yeah, there it, was a few, and there was a lot of always cutting around the dick. There was a lot of behind the bum where you see like the the gross dangly balls and stuff like that. <laughs> but like, 
but yeah, th- yeah, it wasn't equal. Was yeah, it, it was definitely not equal. I was I wanted to get your guys' opinion on the axe hit special effect because I I quite found that quite funny. <laughs> To me, it was quite clearly just a bit of pig. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the just kind of <laughs> but the yeah, it wasn't too solid. It was the uh, the propeller one. I, was, I swear, he was about four foot away from that propeller. When yeah, actually... when he was on it when when it started and he started screaming, but it seemed like there was a delay in the blood. Oh yeah, and it massive didn't delay. start pumping yeah. until he got like four feet from it. Well, we we do know there's a delay in people realizing they're hurt in this film, mm. and you know that's it's... just the way physics works. Yeah. In this film, yeah. <laughs> It's like when yeah, Liam tried ends. to test inertia on a bus once. Uh, that was good. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember how that argument existed. I, but yeah, <laughs> I jumped up on the top saw on the bus. And... He wants to see if he'd land in the same position, or he. Would... <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. I might have not might not be able to remember most of what happened. I think you smashed your face. <laughs> I did. I smashed my head into a pole and then like like <laughs> properly had a blackout and concussion. <laughs> anyway. And I believe we're on our way to drink as well. That's the worst. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the, she, she kills them and then just rides off and then the credits roll and that's it. It just ends. She has a bit of a smile on her face. She does she? have a bit of a she's smile. Running off, like, but then it's, yeah, it just ends. End. End. Finn. <laughs> I mean, thoughts? Uh, like... I I think talking about it then, it sounds like I enjoyed it more than I did, but I really didn't get anything out of this film. I thought it was... Like, halfway through, I was... Well, to be honest, during the rape, when over the, when she's being raped on the rock, the rocks, I was like... I could have just turned it off then, and I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah. But um, I thought it, it picked up a little, a little bit when she t- takes a revenge. But even then, I still found it a bit perfunctory and a bit boring. I mean, there was, yeah. like I said, like it was funny, like when she cuts off his knob and there's a bit of a delay and stuff. But like other than that, like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> I, I would hesitate to say I enjoyed it, but I, I do think it had merit to it. Um, like I, I, I know quite a lot about the video nasties, but I haven't seen this film. It's mm. not really like rip. Rip scenes aren't really something I am drawn towards, <laughs> no, um, no. so it wasn't really high on my watch list, just out of curiosity. But I'm I'm glad I saw it because it's distinctly not what everybody made it out to be. It definitely time. doesn't glorify rape. That's that's for sure. Yeah, but I just I mean, found I'm... it quite horrific to watch. It's like I was saying to Liam as well. Like uh, I was watching the Human Centipede, the first one. I thought it was you know a, a silly film or whatever, and then I watched the second one. But the moment they introduced a woman into the into the mix in the centipede, I was like, "Nah, this mm. that's my limit." And I think yeah. this film was like, "No, nah, it crossed my limits on kind of what I definitely crossed my yeah. limit." Yeah, that I can put up with. I definitely felt that actually. But oh. like as James was saying, it isn't what the film was. Yeah, sold as, and I think that's a good when you talk about the video nasties kind of legislation and what happened to people and people are fined under it. It was from like false pretenses from people who hadn't watched the films who were basing it on bad scientific evidence as well. There's a really good bit in that documentary you were saying when they're talking to the guy who was responsible for the act, mm, and he says that scientific research, yeah, that's it, mm. yeah, scientific research has taken place that shows these films not only affect young people but also, I believe, dogs as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> like, 
like, and this like moral panic is something I think we need to remember. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that, that happens, and it happens really easily. They just um, transplant the same arguments onto the new topic of the day, it, like you say, yeah, social what they media, want to video it on, games. Yeah. It's all the same shit, just being regurgitated. It used to be books, used to be yeah. radio, comic thing, books, you know? yeah, big thing. Yeah, because yeah, there was the um, oh, what was the comic book one? Shit. Uh, the comic something act. Yeah, comics comics. could like. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the yeah, name. Uh, who, the guy who did the, he did a book though, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The innocent. That was it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, we'll get to it when we cover the um, I guess thirties films. Um, but the whole motion picture act as well about a list of laws what people could do in film was a big thing at some point. You know, you can't kiss for over nine seconds or whatever they were and stuff like that mm. uh, to keep people decent and stuff. And Frederick Waltham, that was his name. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I think, like, it. I'm glad in the fact that this is one of those... Well, it is pretty much, as we said, the top like, those three films that got originally prosecuted, this was one of them. It's one of the controver- most controversial films ever made. Um, it still is, has that controversy. It, even this release that we watched isn't a full edit of it. It's oh, was still it not? Cut. No, this is um, the full uncut version. This is uh, the oh, American, is it? yeah, but the UK version that's out um, isn't as cut as it used to be. Like when it was first released after the Video Recordings Act in two thousand one, it had about seven minutes cut out. Oh wow! Mm. Um, after that, they started getting a bit more creative about it. So rather than cutting bits out, they kind of zoomed into different parts of the frame to remove the objectionable content oh, or yeah. substituting okay. shots for something less offensive so there's less actual cutting of the film so i think there's only actually about two minutes two and a half minutes cut out of it at this point but okay you know it's like thought... cannibal holocaust like you know the things that are in that are animal cruelty which i yeah is not yeah. again not something i'm drawn towards but if i'm going to watch it i want to watch the uncut version yeah i know what you mean just yeah because uh just to see what it actually is i'm not going to watch a censored version no matter what it is i mean and that's like, it was interesting to do this in this you know the film's been watching because it is a big thing about 70s films this does come in it's a huge push the vhs has changed the game you know mm. and it was and i'm glad i kind of got to see what this was i won't I wouldn't defend it in the fact that, you know, I want people to watch this. I wouldn't suggest this to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, I'm glad that I got to kind of make my mind up about that. Yeah. But, I mean, you're still getting films cut today, though. Like, you know, like a lot of Takeshi Mike's films in the 2000s were cut, like Itchy the Killer and stuff. And then more recently, like, I'm never going to watch this film. And it's probably quite, I don't know not connected to this but like a, a serbian, a serbian film. film yeah, yeah i was just about to mention that. and like really the only things that get cut now are either because they want a lower rating so headbutts and things like that yeah they submitted tenet um and that got a 15 for an advisory screening so they went and cut some more out and I they didn't came know back that. and they yeah they got a 12 um so that's mainly where the cuts are now no, nothing really is being uh, imposed on a film except for sexual violence I mean, uh, that's really the only thing that gets cut now. So the remake of I Spit on Your Grave is also cut. Oh, okay. And right. um, I believe the third one is cut as well. And uh, a Serbian film is another one that I, you know, I would watch out of curiosity just to see it, but it's missing like three minutes out of the UK print, so I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not interested enough to import it. 
I was going to say, yeah, another yeah, comparable sure. film to this is like Irreversible as well. But it's got, obviously, it's told in reverse because it starts mm-hmm. off with the revenge and then kind of goes backwards. And I think that was cut in the UK as well. They are more it's... lenient on subtitled and foreign films, though, because that was a whole thing as well during the video nasties. They were like, surely, uh, it's you know, an art film. educated <laughs> types in London, we can handle the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But what of the average uh, miner in yes, Sheffield? What there's... if he was to see it? <laughs> there's so much of that going on. In the... I didn't get into it for the 80s stuff, but there's so much prosecutions that happened up north compared to down yeah. south. Oh, really? And, there was... and there's so much more about that kind of classist element of it. Um, that kind of feeds into these ideas and things that definitely exists. Mm. So what would you what would you guys give it out of five then? I don't know. It's um, kind of a hard film to rate that yeah. way. I think I put it I put I think I gave it one star on Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> and just the fact that I can't I would never put this on again. No. I didn't really enjoy watching it. Well, I didn't enjoy watching. I paused it halfway through. I, I was like, I, I need a break. I want to go. What like I'll go watch Paddington or something, and then come back to it. Like, um, so yeah, like I can't. Uh, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't write a view like like that did exist at the time about mm. it. I you just wouldn't go all eBay on it. No, no, not at all. But it, I just couldn't. I couldn't say that this is a good film or enjoyed or anything. You know. Yeah, I think it's going to be a long time before I make any headway of watching it again. Well, I you, watched kind of you've watched Holocaust it twice, about. really, haven't you? Really, with the uh, yeah, uh, with, but you That's know, true. the sound is really the the worst part about it. So the the yeah. commentary track is a, a well, literally the ADR is awful. <laughs> Her uh, scream, yeah, I was saying the scream more than the ADR. Well, I yeah. think yeah, like the rape scene, is the first one anyway. Her audio is it sounds like it's from the actual location, whereas the guys sound like they're dubbed, and I don't know why that is, but. That's interesting. Can you imagine, as you say, this had such a small budget and shooting. It was just like the, you know, independent film shooting. Can you imagine coming across this in the lakes like when they were shooting? <laughs> well, it? I can imagine or people seeing the films it, I make. You've like... got people dressed as wizards and shit like that. And like you walk past, you're like, oh, there's someone being raped over there. <laughs> it's being filmed. Well, the director tells a story on the commentary of um, uh, the the church didn't charge them a fee for filming there. Um, which you know was very helpful. So the director made a donation to the church, um, and then a few weeks later, um, he got a call from the uh, the pastor there saying, "Why didn't you tell me you were making a porn film? Uh, we're going to need all that footage back from you. We we, we withdraw consent." Oh, and okay. apparently, um, a disgruntled um, production manager who they'd fired months before because he was an arrogant, incompetent prick <laughs> had travelled all the way down from New York to Connecticut where they were filming. And just bad mouth them to this priest. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really the only hassle they got. Oh. I've forgotten what the point of this conversation was now, why I brought it <laughs> up, but that's a thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh, actually, Ollie, you haven't said what you you would think you're. Uh, I'd give it probably one and a half, just for some effort. Because I can't, I feel bad giving a film anything lower than a one. Because knowing how hard it is to even make a film, like the fact that some effort's gone into it, but it's not a high, it's not a high mark. For, do you know what I mean? Like I just, I couldn't recommend it. Never watch it again. Mm. Uh, I'm kind of glad. I'm. I don't know if I'm glad I've watched it, but it's something I've ticked off that I think I should have. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. 
which is the whole point of this podcast yeah. is stuff that like if we're going to if we're going to talk about films or movies or what the word you want to use is you should watch them you shouldn't just pass judgment without ever seeing anything mm. and actually the british the british feminist julie bindle bindle um she was one of the people that spearheaded campaigns and pickets against this film in, in especially in leeds and uh hey, she, she actually... might have been interviewed in that documentary that um yeah. was in the channel 4 one i don't think she was in the the video nasties one but okay somebody hooked me up with the original channel 4 show so oh, i've cool. seen that in its entirety and it did seem to like the first half of it is really following my dad around and what he's doing in the video shop and the second half really seems to focus on like the feminist perspective of it and what they're objecting to and all that kind of thing and i think what's interesting about her reappraisal of the film is basically she said she hadn't seen it when it was released and she's watched it again and well i've watched it now and she says she was wrong and she she actually says she th- considers it a feminist film, mm. which um, is kind of interesting. There really. is definitely yeah, but there's definitely titillation within it though. Yeah, it's just you know it's I think the intentions are there for it. It's 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 coming from a good place. It's just you know, it's uh, using a bazooka to kill a spider. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think some I read somewhere something like saying that this. Oh, I can't remember the quote, so let's not bother. But it's it's something about <laughs> cockfighting. But it's like saying that this is a feminist uh, yeah, film. It's like yeah. saying that, the, the, saying that you're on the cock side during cockfighting or something like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's beneficial to uh, cocks because one of them is standing at the end. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but there is like, and I think one of the reasons it kind of flicked on my radar to put in as well is because there's quite a lot of women film critics who quite like this film. It has mm. actually got a weirdly new reappraisal in the last few years. Um, and I think it started with there's a book in 1992 that's called Men, Women and Chainsaws. It's quite famous. I think it yeah. kind of started talking about the kind of you know the last girl kind of elements of horror films. Yeah, the director and she has mentions that on the on the commentary. Like he, oh, does he, he? he considers that to be like the the beginning of uh, people looking at the film again. That makes perfect sense. It does, and she reappraises it. She says kind of like she's begrudgingly in this i think the same way we've been a little bit begrudging about <laughs> it but says that it does have a kind of it does have an element to it which it was overlooked at the time mm. is that a fair way of saying it <laughs> yeah Any i think it, the director is right in that if it had come out with the day of the woman title people might have looked at it differently but the the i spit on your grave really does bring up certain imagery and uh, assumptions mm. about it which predisposes people against it i think having that earlier scene though where she gets naked and just goes for a swim just kind of sets up the titillation nature of it if it kind of didn't yeah. have that maybe and the rape scene was i don't i don't know yeah if they kept saying the of... long shot rather than punching in for the close-up as yeah, she's just... if you just saw her from across the river i feel like that might have worked a bit better yeah just made it less titillating i think would yeah. have kind of helped it for a start and as you say, there's a, there's a good portion of this film which she is full frontally naked. I think for me, one of the reasons why, like I know how what filmmaking's like, and as does James, and as Liam, to be fair, like Liam's mm. been in the trenches as well. Literally, I probably have buried <laughs> Liam. Yeah, I think you have buried me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and like, uh, I just know how horrible it would have been to make that film. I think. I've probably put that on it as well like just knowing how rough it would be. not that i've ever made it a film where someone gets raped or whatever but uh yeah i just know how rough it would be <laughs> anyway yeah that's, yeah so uh, thanks james <laughs> thanks for coming to talk about this film yeah no problem. thanks for bringing it up 
So yeah, um, <laughs> do you want to remind people of your socials and what's coming up with you film-wise and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm still working on Heads of Poppin'. Um, hopefully we'll get that out. Early. You sent me uh, clips of the, the score. James actually got like a full score to do some of his tracks. Like, a, awesome. how many? How many? Yeah. How many? How many like members in the band? Uh, twenty-two piece string orchestra. Um, awesome. Yeah, so I got them to uh, perform it. It's an orchestra in Budapest. You can basically book like a, a twenty twenty-five minute session. They'll record three minutes of music. So huh. uh, yeah, I sent them a couple of tracks from the score, and uh, now that's uh, I cut the I splurged a bit and got some video shot for it as well so i've cut together little music videos of the uh of the theme and one of the score cues in there um which is looking pretty nifty makes it look that's like awesome. we had some money <laughs> um so yeah that's uh hopefully early 2021 for that one that's at headsofpopping.com yeah check it out i watched the trailer just before coming to film this actually film this yeah that counts and um <laughs> and it looks awesome i'm really looking forward to yeah, it actually. It's, it's really it looks really fun Thank so, you. Yeah. What's uh, coming next then, Liam? What are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, I think, is actually going to be the Bill and Ted episode. Oh, is, it, is that so next week? Like, okay, cool. We're not going to talk about the 70s. We'll do Bill and Ted. And Excellent! Then... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we're on to a last film of the 70s. Um, though we'll have some extras, but it's 1979's Time After Time. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully... I'll, I'll be able to listen to that one, because you keep making episodes that I want to listen to but I haven't seen the film so I'm not listening to it until I have seen it <laughs> I've been wanting to see Mickey and Nicky for years and uh, I haven't quite got around to it yet Mikey and Nicky sorry Mikey I, don't, uh, I spent the whole episode saying Mickey and Nicky <laughs> like, we, every second of that, can we have, that episode is this the right word Amen, aden, oh, I can't say the word addendment on no more films with rapes for a while <laughs> yeah god so yeah we watched uh, perfect blue which i know that wasn't necessarily yes. a rape scene but like it's it's like i have gone out and bought that so i am intending to watch that soon and then listen to your episode about and that. Then, um, wonderful film it is and then uh what was it the straw dogs was there anything else i'm sure straw dogs there's wonder oh yeah and... <laughs> so yeah wonder's like, a I wonderful think... film though so it is. It is wonderful. The ones I've got downloaded: uh, uh, Mikey and Nikki, Fist of Fury, Straw Dogs, and Perfect Blue. Sweet, sweet. And there's <laughs> um, a baby. Yeah, there's a baby in here. <laughs> I think I've because I think I've we've learned a um learned something going into this that we always wanted to see the films we're doing completely unseen, and I want to know as least as possible yeah. about mm. them. Yeah, but I think I might have to do a bit of research going forward just to, just to get some of the content. But to be you're fair, okay with time after time. That's a good, good. Film. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's been really good. So yeah, so it has. has. So it's yeah. generated, a, I think, a good podcast out of it. So and there was a halfway through watching the film. It's like I think I'm going to have to change the film. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can talk about this. But you did, but no, and we did, and we did it. Right. So anyway, on that note, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, please don't forget to rate, re- review, and subscribe on all the various platforms, whichever you listen on, be that Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Uh, what's the other one? Stitcher. Uh, oh, what's the other one? We're on Amazon Music now. Uh, we are on Amazon Music now, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, you can always reach <laughs> out to us at Adjust Your Track on Twitter. That's uh, a YR, not a your. And don't forget, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. Mm-hmm.